It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this 17th day of October 2023. Exactly one week away from our 18th anniversary as a standalone internet only broadcast. This is the whole, and has been for 17 years and 51 weeks. Headon.live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the. Mary Wacky Zany real-time madcap multimedia extravaganza that takes place in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, all time zones in between and the Great Globe Round, and uh, where if you pop in right now, you'll be greeted by the early arrivers, and that would be Theo and Squeaky, hey guys, and uh, Roger in Oregon, of course, is moderating. He being the horn chief uh, uh, agronomist, chief mathematician, and bud trimmer emeritus. And me, I'm I'm Robin, also known as Roxanne. And not as the person who is named in the intro to the program, which I wish that, well, I've got it. One of these days, right? But also, uh, uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us for this the live version of the program, and thank you for participating in the podcast. I had a some sort of a hiccup last night, and I didn't realize that. Anyway, the podcast for yesterday is up, and if you do listen to the podcast, please, whatever platform you listen on, like every episode, make sure you're subscribed so you know when a new episode does go up, and uh, leave a comment here and there. It really does help. I, I don't know. It does. It just does. And, uh, you know, that's whether you're, it's, uh, you know, leave us, leave a comment at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, at <sighs> tune in, what have you. Uh, and, uh, well, remember, the best place to listen live uh, is always head on dot live. It's also the best place to get the podcast. But uh, Ben Birch, through his intrepid efforts, has the White Rose Society site back up and running. So that's a second source for the podcast if you have trouble uh, for any reason downloading the one from 
Podbean or wherever it distributes to from there. And thanks to uh, thanks to Ben for doing that. It really is helpful because there I, I found out we have some members of our community who still who listen on devices that can't cope with anything but White Rose. So, and I will slowly be working on um, posting the ones that I didn't get posted when while White Rose was down. I think that begins with like the 23rd of September. Okay. Every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. So we say thank you to our subscriber via PayPal for the 17th of the month, and that means thank you ever so kindly to our good friend Gary, labor man out in New Mexico, and thank you to uh, thank you to Colin for jumping in. Yesterday as well. Thank you so much. And so the uh, fundraising goal, such as it is, to get caught up uh, stands at uh, $1,680 because uh, Colin brought it down under the $1,700 mark. $1,680, and so that means we're... uh, $180 $180 away from having last Monday fully funded. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, yesterday, and today are unfunded. And to get the uh, to get the program started, Ralphs has a, a challenge, a matching challenge. If somebody will match her $25, well, she'll she'll double your $25 and turn it into 50 for you. Uh, and uh, the, today's challenge features the latest from Andy Borowitz at the New Yorker. George Santos declares Jim Jordan's identity not worth stealing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's very good. And I'm sure many of us... Um, Many of us watched the shenanigans in the House of Representing. Good Lord, Elise Stupidnik's nomination speech for Jim Jacketoff Jordan. It could have driven buzzards off a bone wagon. It was that nausea-inducing. It's disgusting. Here in a time of unprecedented attacks on our dear friend Israel, we must elect Jim Jacketoff Jordan as Speaker of the House. Who will you? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, absolutely, Roger and Morgan's is so full of lies. Roger noted Jacketoff got 200 votes the first time around. Hard to believe there are 200 total dipshits in Congress. Well, I mean, there are Republicans in Congress. Dipshit is as dipshit does, to paraphrase Forrest Gump. But 20, 20 Republicans absolutely refused to vote for Jim Jordan. Every now and then a hoot and a holler would go up through the house on one side or the other. It's embarrassing, really. I, in fact, I was messaging. Oh, excuse me. That's. I really got to stop having that martini just before airtime.
but I was talking with Tara Devlin of uh, Terra Buster. Uh, she and I will be chatting later this week, by the way, when we uh, fill in for Mike Malloy. Damn, sorry, as he goes uh, on a bit of a jaunt. He's going up to Massachusetts to see uh, the young, lovely, and talented Miss Molly. I should have put. I should have said, the brilliant, young, lovely, and talented Miss Molly. So Tara and I will be chatting on the Malloy program Thursday and Friday, and possibly Monday. Um, I'm assuming we'll be there Monday. And uh, a little baby update. It's an update about a little baby, or it's a little baby update. Um. Uh, Luna's mama had an ultrasound today. Luna is presently six pounds, six ounces, and is about two weeks from her expected delivery date. And I saw uh, saw an ultrasound photo, and she is absolutely beautiful. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that she's going to behave herself and not send her mama into labor either. Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. If she does so over the weekend, we can manage. Uh, hopefully not Monday either. But uh, we're making, as my, uh, as someone I once knew said, we're making preservations. And, uh, well... We'll see how it all, all shakes out. I'm excited to meet my new, newest granddaughter. So anyway, uh, I, and Ralph's just asked me, I, I listened to Brian Tyler Cohen through the first vote. Was there a second one? No, and that's kind of the curious thing. Um, apparently, I mean, they could have had one. But um, Patrick McHenry, the guy with the bow tie who thought he had speaker powers and could throw Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer out of their um, courtesy offices in the Capitol, and did, and he didn't have that power? Uh, Patrick McHenry said, read off the vote tally and said, that's enough. Bye. It's recess, y'all. And away they went. I monitored C-SPAN pretty much all afternoon. I, even as I was back here preparing for the program, I would check on it from time to time. The only thing live on C-SPAN right now is a Senate session, the second portion of the day so uh, yeah here we are and maybe this is just my paranoia talking but uh, 
I, I saw the fact that they didn't continue the voting with another round. I saw that as proof of my own little theory. Or at least evidence in support of my own little theory. That these maggots don't really want to elect a speaker. They had to know what the whip count was before they went in and had to vote. This, to me at least, was theatrical in nature. Maybe they'll have another vote tomorrow. Maybe they'll have one day after tomorrow. We really don't know. Because you cannot depend on these maggots to speak anything resembling the truth. And maybe they won't have another one until, say, November 17th. I mean, that's a little far-fetched. I, I agree. But my, uh, my, my, my theory, my suspicion, that the whole purpose of this is for a handful of maggots to get the government shut down that they wanted a month ago. And could not get. Because as bizarre as it may sound, Kevin McCarthy behaved with the bare minimum amount of responsibility and duty to his constitutional oath, uh, you know, minimally required. Uh, of course, there are some simpletons out there. Uh, people like uh, Mark Levin, the man with the voice made for print, uh, who is screaming that, that, that Jordan must be elected speaker when they don't even. Yeah, I mean, there were moments. Uh, Derek Van Orden's name was called to stand up and vote, and I expected him, being the uh, vulgar shitheel that he is. To stand up half drunk out of his mind and yell, My vote is for fucking Jim fucking Jordan. Fuck. You might recall he's the one who uh, liquored up out of his mind, upbraided some Senate pages earlier in the year. Uh, an act that was so brazenly odious that uh, even Senate Republicans called out that POS from Wisconsin. And you're right, Darlene. Well, Elise Stupidnik brought up Jackadoff's time as an Ohio gym wrestling coach as a terrific qualifier to elect him speaker. Imagine an insurrectionist, treasonous bastard like Jackadoff potentially being third in line to the presidency. Just sickening. You know, I got corrected on that a while back, so I'll pass along. Speaker's second in line to the presidency, because there's the presidency, the vice presidency, and then the speaker. And that's even more terrifying. It is. It's just sickening, Darlene. And that's why I was grateful for Pete Aguiar. He placed Hakeem Jeffries' name in nomination... And in so doing, listed with encyclopedic 
uh, knowledge exactly what a dirtbag Jim Jacketoff Jordan is. Something I said to uh, something I said to Tara earlier, and I'm doing this to also fulfill something I said to Steve in New York earlier. Uh, back in ancient Rome, <laughs> hi Steve. Back in ancient Rome, uh, at one point in time, uh, a patrician Roman sought to overturn the republican form of government they had. This was pre-imperial days. And uh, he, he sought to completely upend the entire civil order, gathered up an army, prepared to march on Rome, and his army was stopped and cattle and, and his body was never found. His name was Catiline or Catalina. And I told Tara earlier just once I, I, it would be great if we had a member of Congress with the knowledge and the understanding of history to be able to say the name Jim Jordan and the name Catiline in the same sentence. Because as Liz Cheney said to him on January 6, 2021, you fucking did this. Because he did do that. And then he went running to nitwit Nero for a pardon, which he did not get. Now, well, there are five other uh, uh, members of, or maggot members of Congress who went seeking that self-same pardon. But yeah, he uh, uh, the Democrats booed when Elise Stupidnik brought up uh, he's a fighter even if he's in the halls of Congress or on the wrestling mat. And the boo was pretty lusty too. And I don't mean sexy time lusty. Derek Van Orden, Flavio says, God, he's such an embarrassment to the 6th Congressional District of Wisconsin. Y'all, and the same question always obtains, Flavio. What the fuck is wrong with the people in the 6th Congressional District of Wisconsin? Just like what's wrong with the people of the 13th Congressional District of Georgia. Of course, there's a lot wrong with other members, other Congressional District citizens in Georgia. And all over the maggot south, for that matter. The hell's wrong? What the hell's wrong with that gerrymandered district that sent Andy Ogles to Congress from Tennessee, or uh, that other that other maggot? Um, can't remember his name now. He's actually a physician. He's pro life, uh, and he's pro life because he's paid for he's paid for several abortions. At least one or two uh, for women who were not his wife, whom he knocked up. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was a sight to behold today. Oh, and by the way, uh, uh, Craven McCarthy, former squeaker of the house. Hi, Sylvie. Uh, voted for Jim Jordan and 
The maggots gave him a round of applause for, well, basically further humiliating himself. So keep it up, boys. At least it's good entertainment. Uh, the speaker vote, Lee in New York, says, Ah, the hope was that in a Jordan versus no one, they would not choose no one. Once it was obvious that no one won, they chose to not repeat the desire for no one. So it would, and maybe we'll get some reporting out of it, it would be fun to see, see what all's going on inside the maggot caucus right now. I imagine they're pretty close to at each other's throats. Others receiving votes today, Tom Emmer of Minnesota, Tom Cole of Oklahoma, Stan, uh, Craven McCarthy, uh, Lee Zeldin got a couple of votes. But all told, there were 20 Republicans who bailed. Once again, the Democrats behaved with admirable, laudable, Unity. Get the idea, if they were in charge, we might be able to get something done. Like, keep the government open. I know, crazy talk. Uh, Republican knowledge of history, Lee adds, uh, Stop it, Robin. The Republicans' displayed knowledge of history rivals Ricky Ricardo in I Love Lucy. Ricky said that all he knows is Columbus discovered Ohio in 1776. Yeah. So it's kind of a kind of a zany day. Uh, Rick Wilson, never one to hide his light under a bushel basket. Rick Wilson offered up his thoughts on the Jordan candidacy. Uh, he went on. Uh, he went on shitter. To post, sure, Jordan is easily ridiculed, but I'm quite serious when I say that he may well be the cause of the collapse of the American Republic. He's proximate to almost every bit of the 2020 election plot on January 6th. Jordan will burn down the world for Trump. And then uh, he also posted a substack and said, forget the bipartisan fantasy. If history is any guide, the moderate, good guy, and problem solvers, all in the most sarcastic quotes I can muster, Biden 18 types will talk a big game, then get behind Jim Jordan, a man destined to be one of the most calamitous speakers of the House in modern memory. The obvious choice for these so-called moderates is to make a deal with the Democrats, but that's a Sorkin-esque fantasy, delightful in prospect, impossible in reality. And I hate to, but I agree with him. You would think that it would not be that difficult because what was the final tally? 211 to 200 to 200? You got 211 Democrats voting together. And that means you need six out of 20. Six people who love the United States 
who honor, more importantly, their oath to the Constitution and could have just about anything they wanted within reason if they cut a deal. Primarily the Biden 18. Including getting to keep their offices in the 2024 election. But Rick Wilson's correct. Uh, they are, to quote Chai Chai Rodriguez, big boots, big hat, no goddamn cattle. Uh, as far as a little civics lesson on the Wisconsin 6th Congressional District, Flavio tells us it's made up of three university towns, La Crosse, Eau Claire, and Stevens Point, but they couldn't be bothered to vote, so, you know, the rural fucks voted for Van Orden. And maybe the district is gerrymandered that way. He is a piece of work, Van Orden. Uh, speaker election, Steve in New York says, opening, uh, open up your prognosticate and parasol. What do you actually think will happen? Well, I'm not going to do that because I'm in the house. And that's bad luck. Even if the parasol is, pro- is uh, positively uh, darling. What's going to happen? I know what I want to happen. I want some of those Biden 18 to act against type and do the right thing for the country. What do I think will happen? Oh, and by the way, the maggots all cheered when Steve Scalise voted for Jacket Off Jordan. Unity! So if you take away Steve Scalise's lack of self-respect, and if you take away uh, Craven McCarthy's lack of spine... Yeah, the, the the deficit could be worse. And now that they've seen Jim Jacket off Jordan uh, get his ass handed to him, well, my guess is they didn't have another session because they, because Jim Jacket off Jordan didn't want to be further humiliated, or they recessed so that the maggots could go and whip the vote. I wonder if any of those Biden 18 are even taking calls from any Democrats. I do not know. So tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps each day in its petty pace unto the ending of the world which may not be far off. Rick Wilson is uh, at least trenchant. Jordan may well be the cause of the collapse of the American Republic. He is a Catiline. Not the Catiline, but a Catiline. So back they go into their caucus, I presume. 
and they try to arm, arm twist Ammer or Cole. Craven uh, McCarthy has already said, you know, you're not going to kick me around twice, and I don't have any more testicles for you to take away from me. <laughs> so that's out. Scalise is out. Um, uh, Representative Austin Powers, Georgia Congressman of Mystery, didn't get off the ground. That balloon didn't float. Emmer says he doesn't want the job. I mean, I think in, in by way of prognosticating, Steve, what you you know you don't ask questions like who could reason. No, you ask the question, what is the dumbest damn thing? That this maggot Congress could do. And of course, it's pure speculation, but consider consider who started all of this. Is it time for is it time for the maggots to consider Matt it just gates worse? In no way I, he probably wouldn't get two hundred votes. Nancy Scarlet Letter Mace? She'd at least be a Nancy. Uh, so, uh, okay, thank you, Steve. <laughs> At 529, key events, 17 minutes ago. Jordan aiming for 6 p.m. Eastern Time vote, reports say. Then nine minutes later, uh, scratch that. The latest is that Jordan will try to win the speakership again tomorrow, per House GOP whip Tom Emmer. The House will vote on the speaker tomorrow at 11 a.m. <sighs> no more votes this evening. So that's going to be an all-night arm-twisting session. But really, I don't think it is. I, I don't think it is necessarily counterintuitive to ask what is the stupidest thing these people could possibly do, and you come up with a Matt Gates candidacy or an Andy Biggs candidacy or hell, Paul Gosar, the Demon Dentist of the Desert candidacy, or Ralph Nauman of South Carolina stand. or you know. Him. Because Nitlit Nero was back in court today, flanked, of course, by counsel for the parking garage, Alina Habana Habana Habana. Uh, he went back to New York for his civil fraud trial. And immediately started violating the partial gag order there. This is an Attorney General, Letitia. No last name. That went out and campaigned on, I will get Trump. I will get Trump no matter what. I'll get Trump. I promise I'll get him. 
We have two tapes on her now that have come out since the job because people took tapes of her because they didn't believe her ranting and raving like a lunatic. This is the Attorney General of New York State. And, you know, speaking of tape, well, there's recordings of him violating the gag order, too. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. We're at a trial today that should not be taking place. As you know, the head of Deutsche Bank recently testified, just testified, and he said that Trump did nothing wrong. We made a loan. We were very happy with the loan. We got paid back. There were no defaults. It was a very good transaction, and he would do it again. He was a very powerful witness. And we have other executives coming in from banks that will say the same thing. This is a disgraceful situation. This is an attorney general, Leticia, that went out and uh, campaigned on, I will get Trump. I will get Trump no matter what. I'll get Trump, I promise I'll get him. We have two tapes on her now that have come out since the job because people took tapes of her because they couldn't believe her ranting and raving like a lunatic. But this is the attorney general of New York State. All right, so again. So, <laughs> I guess we're going to find out if the judge meant what he said about the uh, partial gag order. Because he did something else today as well. He went on his uh, uh, rattle trap social media site, Tripe Social, and put out a tripe in which he retriped another tripe that published the home address of New York Attorney General Letitia James. Now that is squarely within the, uh, the, the, the purview of the gag order that Justice Angoron issued last week. Uh, he triped uh, last night at 8.45. Her fake case against me should be dropped immediately. My financial statements are extremely conservative, and her numbers were way off, including the fact that she undervalued Mar-a-Lago and Doral by billions of dollars. She also didn't reveal the 100% disclaimer clause at the front of the financial statements, and that she sued me under a statute that was never used before, all caps. Miscarriage of justice and election interference all wrapped up in one. And he triped to an article written by Laura Looney. And it appears to show Letitia James's address in Brooklyn. Let's find out. He fucked around. Let's find out. Uh, today's vote, Baltimore Bob says, uh, Stephanie Miller quipped that if Jim Jordan wins the speaker's race, that might be an upgrade over Dennis Hastert. Hastert was a sex molester. Jordan is merely a sex molester cover-upper. 
<laughs> God. Did any of us ever dream that it would get to this? Because I didn't. You know, at least not back when, you know, not, not back when I was, you know, learning all about the war of northern aggression and watching I'm Only a Bill on Capitol Hill when I was 10 years old. I know. Channeling his inner Henry II, Matt in San Francisco writes, Will no one rid us of this meddlesome former president? I know. Uh, Hopefully, you know, maybe um, the judge in Fulton County or Tanya Chutkin. Because I really do want to hear, yes. And speaking of Judge Chutkin, she has another case against uh, Nitwit Nero on her docket. There's a new lawsuit alleging that Trump and his campaign intentionally attempted to disenfranchise black voters uh, in violation of the Voting Rights Act. And this is no no slouch of a suit. The NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund says that uh, on November 28, 2022, a trial court issued an order that allowed the plaintiffs to amend their complaint and held that Trump is not absolutely immune. That's, uh, That's the reporting on the case. Nitwit Nero appealed the November 28th order to the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. Litigation is ongoing, but the case has been placed on Tanya Chutkin's docket. It's not a criminal case, it's a civil case. But it's never going to stop for him. Oh, and um, Craven McCarthy got pissy with, uh, hell, a reporter for Fox News TV Radio Rwanda. Uh, Chad Pergram, in an exchange with McCarthy, didn't, (laughs) surprise, 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 Sergeant Carter, didn't swallow whole the idea that McCarthy's ouster was the fault of the Democrats. And I don't know how one would go about even remotely believing that, but, well, they're them. Uh, he, he got, he got kind of voicey. Same vote I had on my first vote out. Um, why we're in the? Well, no, 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 no. Let's go back to how I got here. We wouldn't be here 
if every single Democrat didn't vote with eight Republicans to shut this place down. There That's it. No, what, Republicans it, voted against Jim Jordan today on the floor, including two votes from somebody who's not even a member anymore. Every single Democrat and eight Republicans voted to shut down one branch of government. That is why we're here today. There's no other reason why we're here today but because of that. Now we had a vote on the floor. It didn't get to the whole point. Now we'll take a break, talk to people, and come back and solve it. So how long? Is this going to be today? We pottied our pants and the Democrats didn't come and change us. God, they're pathetic, aren't they? And then there's this precious moment. Brian Kilmeade. What, you know, always remember, and, and, and this was something I was taught a long time ago, way back when I was just a little pimply-faced gospel DJ. Treat a microphone like a gun. With a gun... You always assume it is loaded and therefore deadly. Always assume that a microphone is hot before you open your mouth unless you know you, you unless you have checked, you know, just like with a loaded with a gun, you either pop the cylinder or pop the magazine, pull the slide, look down the barrel, is there a bullet in there? No, and I don't mean like look. No, I mean you look through the you look through the 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 the, the slot in the top where the case comes out where it ejects. You look through the ejection slot. You don't look down the goddamn barrel. Now quit that. I don't want to get all the I don't want to get the little gun humpers mad at me. And you make sure the damn thing is not loaded. Same thing with a microphone. You look and you make sure that your pot is down or your fader is down and that the button is engaged. Obvious, one might think. But apparently not to professional broadcaster Brian Kilmeade. They were watching the vote and along came Don Bacon, they were calling the roll, and this little magic moment occurred. Babin. Jordan. Bacon. McCarthy. McCarthy. Dumbass. I mean, from an editorial standpoint, it's hard to disagree. But Don Bacon's one of those guys. He's one of those salt-of-the-earth Midwestern Nebraskan types. Could we maybe get some salt-of-the-earth Midwestern Democrat types to go and have a chat with him? That's 2,000, that's, that's 212 votes if Don Bacon came along. And if Don Bacon came along, you know, it, it, pretty soon it turns into that children's story, Stone Soup. <sighs> Only maybe not. I did like how Chad Pergram said... Hell, somebody that's not even in the Congress anymore got two votes. Of the 20 resistors, however, you'll note that there were no votes for Donald J. Trump. The J stands for jailbird in waiting. 
Well, that's true. Emilio noting in, in regard to Craven McCarthy's remarks, we wouldn't be here if Kevin wasn't a weasel, if the GOP wasn't hell-bent on dismantling the United States, if Jim, I have my jacket off ready for foul play Jordan, weren't such a horrible human being, if Reagan hadn't declared war on governance, and if the Powell memo and the Birchers hadn't declared war on the average citizen. A lot of dominoes there, and that's just scratching the surface, Emilio, but you are right. Uh, Steve, meanwhile, says... uh, Trump is absolutely terrified. And I would not be, well, yeah. You notice he was a bit subdued when he came out to attack Letitia James earlier. That wasn't his usual... Fire and brimstone. Lee in New York, checking that the gun is not loaded, maggots take the gun and look down the barrel unless they shoot themselves in the foot while lifting the gun. That's why they never check the microphone either. Dumbass. Not you, Lee. Brian Kilmeade. A dumbass knows his own. And remember, Republicans eat their young. Kind of proud of this one. I put it out there earlier today. Republicans eat their young, and they apparently also eat bacon. <sighs> I'll be here for the next couple of hours. I mentioned Elise Stupidnik and her <laughs> nominating speech for Jacket Off Jordan. It was this was a funny moment. It deserves to be preserved for all time on a recording. Jim is the voice of the American people who have felt voiceless for far too long. Jim is the voice for American people who rape wrestlers at the Ohio State University who have felt voiceless for far too long and he wishes they were more. He wishes those wrestlers would shut up. Whether as judiciary chair, conservative leader, or representative for his constituents in West Central Ohio, whether on the wrestling mat or in the committee room, Jim Jordan is strategic, scrappy, tough, and principled. He is a mentor a worker, and above all, he is a fighter. And the American people know, we know, that Jim Jordan is a winner on behalf of the American people. Yeah, no. Republicans eat their young, at least as, unless they threw the ketchup against the wall. <sighs> But at least Stupidnik is a pathetic little lickspittle, and she's getting something out of this for sure. Maybe a majority leader or whip or something. I don't know. But far more, uh, far more valuable were the remarks of Representative Pete Aguiar, who, like I said, 
brought receipts. Mr. Speaker Pro Tem, this is not the history we wanted to make here in the House. It's something that none of us imagined when we were sworn in to this office. We are here because the House has been thrown into chaos. We are here because this hallowed chamber has been led to a breaking point by two dangerous forces, extremism and partisanship. The American people place their faith in us to tackle their most pressing issues, lowering costs, growing the middle class, and standing up to those set on delivering a national abortion ban. The choice before us is simple. Come together on a bipartisan path forward or take us over the cliff. Abandon the extremism that is preventing us from getting things done or triple down on division and dysfunction. A vote today to make the architect of a nationwide abortion ban, a vocal election denier, and an insurrection insider to the Speaker of this House would be a terrible message to the country and our allies. His uh, fellow Democrats gave him a standing ovation for that. My only question is, and this is just a matter of, you know, homonyms and the like, did he call him an insurrection inciter, I-N-C-I-T-E-R, or an in- insurrection insider? I mean, I think they're kind of both the same thing. He was on the inside of it, and he incited it. And I would like to hope that the ongoing work of the special prosecutor might encompass at some point in time uh, these seditious, treasonous violators of their constitutional oaths. But I don't know. I'm sure that at some point in time, uh, if, 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 if any of these were to be called out, indicted, they would claim speech and debate. Even Josh Hall and Ass Hawley would probably claim that he was engaging in speech and debate when he was running for his miserable life trying to get away from his own people. You fucking did this. Liz Cheney to Jim Jordan. Maybe in the next nominating speech, somebody can use that quote. And you never know who's listening. It's impossible to know. But uh, let's just keep our little ears perked up for the word Catiline to appear anywhere in... uh, Multi-millionaire for-profit broadcast media. Nancy Pelosi was not silent today. She, uh, I, I think this is the legislative equivalent of a bless your heart. You know, the the southern not good bless your heart. She still got it, y'all. Ms. Pelosi, what do you think is going to happen? Are you going to get a vote today? 
You think you'll get one? Yeah, I'll be the last person to know. But I think they're taking lessons in mathematics and learning how to count. <laughs> Ouch! As the hip kids say, sick burn. She went on to say, I feel sad for the institution. I think it's sad they're getting worse and worse. They should take a lesson in mathematics and learn how to count. And she, you know, and when she was speaker, she would not bring a bill to the floor unless she already knew it was going to ca- it was going to pass. She was good at her job. Quite possibly the best speaker this country has had in well over a generation. Meanwhile. Uh, the long knives are out. The New York Times reported that uh, the maggots are now threatening the 20 who wouldn't get in line. Yeah, one uh, jacket off fan said they were surprised. But Jackadoff didn't even get anywhere near the 217 votes he needed. Writing at the Times, uh, Karun Demirjan said, It was an extraordinary instance of Republican-on-Republican fighting. Whatever shall we do about this Republican-on-Republican bickering? Several of Mr. Jordan's supporters have posted the phone numbers of mainstream GOP lawmakers they count as holdouts, encouraging followers to flood the Capitol switchboard with calls demanding they back Jordan or face the wrath of conservative voters as they gear up for primary season. Mr. Jordan's supporters said his decision to send lawmakers home to their districts, this was last weekend, rather than keeping him in Washington for one-on-one meetings to drum up support, was a deliberate move to intensify grassroots pressure on them to fall into line. Well, that worked. Uh, uh, Tim Burchett, you may recall, we heard from him last week, said, everybody's going to go home, listen to their constituents, and make a decision. Honestly, the grassroots says nobody's stronger. That doesn't speak well. And the hardcores are remaining hardcore. John Rutherford of Florida said, I'm a no on allowing Matt Gates and the other seven to win by putting their individual in as speaker. I swear, I swear, I'm convinced this is about shutting down the government. And I feel so sorry. 
for everybody that the maggots want to screw. Uh, Darlene pointing out, too bad it wasn't just a simple majority, because if it was, Hakeem won the speakership today with his 212 votes minus one Dem who wasn't there. Yeah. And then we'd get a nice, clean, continuing resolution, ship it from the House over to the Senate, and every TSA worker, every Border Patrol agent, every FBI agent, every member of the United States military wouldn't be looking at working without being paid. And those are the necessaries. Then there's just the ones who get furloughed and sent home. And I I really, I could be wrong, but I feel it in my gut that if they do shut the government down somewhere around November the 17th, that it will last through the new year. And that will be disastrous for the economy and millions of American families. So they'll spend again tomorrow balloting for Jim Jacket off Jordan. And so that means another legislative day lost. There's one more day left on Thursday. They may get sent home again for this week coming weekend as well. Then there's three days next week. Here, let's get the little calendar out, shall we? Here we go. So Thursday and then the 24th, 25th, and 26th of October. And then Halloween, the 1st and the 2nd of November. Then the 7th, 8th, and 9th of November. So let's see. One, four, seven, ten. Thirteen days. Thirteen remaining days until shutdown that Congress will actually work. You know, that's not a long time with no shot clock to just stand out barely over the half-court line and dribble. And there's no throwing the ball out of bounds to stop the clock. I could be wrong. But I don't see any evidence to suggest I'm not. And then, of course, there was my filthy morning habit today. Oh, and by the way, we are at the top of the hour. We've uh, 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 filled a robster for an hour. And uh, uh, the uh, 
Uh, Jim Jordan's identity is not worth stealing, says George Santos' challenge is still on the table from Ralph's. A chance to get us down to $1,730, the fundraising hole, if anybody wants to help out. Now, my filthy morning habit... (laughs) uh, Nitwit Nero's pettifoggers filed a notice of intent to appeal the gag order. I saw that little piece of news and thought immediately, now how's that going to work? And apparently I am, uh, I was not the only one wondering that. Um, the folks at My Filthy Morning Habit were wondering, too, and they asked Chuck Rosenberg. Same time, as the judge stated in her order, she cannot imagine any other trial where you would have a defendant allowed to run out calling prosecutors thugs. I can't imagine any criminal case in which a defendant is permitted to call the prosecutor deranged or a thug, and I will not permit it here simply because the defendant is running for a political campaign. So, yes, this is unique. What is not unique is the fact is this is he's a criminal defendant, and she's exactly right. He cannot. He cannot. I, because no criminal defendant that I've ever heard of has been able to attack uh, members of the court officers of the court the way Donald Trump is. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So a couple of things are simple, Joe. You're right. Uh, he's a criminal defendant. She's right. The order she issued is narrowly tailored and designed to accomplish all those purposes you just explained. That said, what does she do when he violates it? And I don't know that there's a lot of other data points for us, frankly, Joe. I mean, there aren't a lot of cases like this. I can't think of any. And so, yeah, in some ways it's simple. He's a criminal defendant and he has to abide her order. Fine, good, got it. What happens so, so when... So let me just ask you, well, again, I'm sorry. He's, a, he's running for resident. That's awesome. Under, Amer- uh, under the United States of America, I mean, under our laws, we believe that nobody's above the law. What would happen if in a case that you were trying, any case that you were trying, where a criminal defendant told, don't go out and call us thugs, and then he goes out on the court steps, holds a press conference, and the defendant calls him thugs. I don't know where you practiced. I can tell you where I practiced. The judge would call him back in, hold him in the contempt of court, and throw him in jail. Where I practice, if somebody violated a court order, the judge would haul him back in, hold them in contempt, and sanction them. Maybe find them, maybe put them in jail, but they would certainly sanction them. You and I agree on that, Joe. There's a problem here, though. It's much more difficult than that. And so I take it that, you know, we all ought to try and find the simple answer. I don't know that there is. First of all, how do you put somebody with a Secret Service detail in prison? Second, because the First Amendment absolutely protects political speech. Tell me precisely what the line is. Let's hold on a minute, because once again, we're so far out ahead of the, ahead of the curve, it's like we're on a straight road here. We've already talked about this, because I asked the same question a couple of months back. Do you just put Nitwit Nero in a cell with two, two, two uh, Secret Service guys? 
they go to they go to the joint with him. But then you dig around a little bit and you find out that Secret Service protection can be withdrawn. Or it could simply be, uh, Secret Service protection could be exchanged uh, in favor of corrections officers who who would be charged to make sure that nothing happened to him. But that's just because we deal with things a lot sooner. Is between political speech, valid criticism, let's say, of Mr. Biden or the Justice Department, and speech that violates her order. I just don't know. Maybe I'm not smart enough to figure out where that line clearly lies. Well, I think I think you're extraordinarily smart. Maybe it's just because I'm a simple country lawyer that just fell off of a turnip truck outside of 30 Rock. But it seems to me that you have to, uh, they get called back in. You don't you don't create one set of rules for Donald Trump. There's no ambiguity. And another set of rules for the other 330 million people. I understand it's a complicated issue and it has to be acted upon with nuance. But if he continues to attack and insult members of the court, I'm quite confident that John Roberts Supreme Court will rule with the judge that there has to be an orderly procedure inside that courtroom. If there is somebody that is constantly attacking the validity of the court and trying to undermine a federal judge and other officers of the court, I don't think the Roberts court would see it as that complicated so long as it is narrowly tailored to the contours of actually running the case in a manageable professional way. And if he steps out of line, you sanction him. And if he steps out of line, sanction him again. If he steps out of line the third time, I think every federal... There's, there's, one, there's one problem with this sanctions thing. And, you know, fines, basically. How do you do that? Not, not the mechanics of it, but what do you do? Do you find him by the word, by the incident, and how much? Could Judge Chutkin conceivably say, "Okay, well, I'm glad you got that off your chest." It just cost you a million dollars. Because remember, this asshole claims to be a billionaire. Finding a million, finding a billionaire a million dollars is the equivalent of finding somebody with a hundred bucks a penny. Pay it and keep on ranting and raving. You see what I'm saying? Uh, Matt in San Francisco, subject line, willing and able. I, for one, am willing and able to tread down this mysterious path of what to do with an ex-president with Secret Service protection going to jail. Let's move forward. Even if we stumble and it's clunky, let's throw the fucker in jail and see where the chips fall. Yeah. Jail them all and let God sort them out. I think, but, but I... I Matt, you're right. This whole business of 
terra incognita and treading lightly and stepping daintily and well you can stand there and get run over or you can move this is one of those situations that my rock climbing friends talk about all the time you know you get halfway up the face you're pretty close to crux and you got to keep going because you have entered the I mean theoretical climb or die phase of the ascent you got to get on up the rock it's it's the same thing as you know Tom Hanks's character screaming get off the beach get off the beach get off the beach in saving private Ryan because if you don't get off the beach you're going to die and if we do not deal with this man and deal with him within the within the within the boundaries of normal constitutional judicial operating procedures well, Tinkerbell's going to keel over and all the clapping in the world ain't going to bring her back. This really is the key to the future of this country. And meanwhile, we've got this clown show going on in the Congress when the very idea of freedom is under attack in Ukraine. Ukraine, 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 Ukraine. And there will be no end to our shame now and for the rest of recorded history as long as there's a a history that records that the United States existed if we hang Ukraine out to dry like, for instance, Marginal Trailer Queen wants to do. At the beginning of the month, she glommed on to Code Pink. Code Pink, who can sometimes be problematic. And she begged Code Pink for a photograph of her with them. In that first week of October, she went on shitter and shitted shitted. Uh, the, the war in Ukraine must end. Today I met brave Code Pink activists who protested for peace in Bernie Sanders' office. He had 11 of them arrested. Peace and free speech shouldn't be a partisan issue. We don't agree on most things, but we do agree Congress should stop fueling the war in Ukraine. And then, today, she said, War is coming. Washington wants war with Iran, which will pull in Turkey and Syria, maybe Saudis. Russia will likely sell weapons to Iran and North Korea, too. How? They don't have enough weapons for their own shitty war against Ukraine. Maybe nukes as well. What will India do? China? Both might play the long game and they will likely watch everyone blow themselves to pieces and be weakened and then either country can make a play for global dominance when it's over. And as Lee noted earlier in the, in the day in a note, uh, Lee said, I want to see somebody ask her why Israel hasn't used their space lasers yet. 
But according to Marginal Trailer Queen, well, uh, all this wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling coverage of uh, the war on the, the war on Hamas is quote to physiologically prepare you to support war, sending our troops and paying for it all. It's so you can stomach the flag-draped coffins coming home and donate to all the charities supporting blown-apart American soldiers. Uh, Where does she think our troops are going and dying? We're not fighting in, in... We're not going to fight Israel's war against the Palestinian people. We're not fighting in Ukraine. But according to her, the best answer is for us to shame ourselves and give up on the idea of freedom and democracy. Of course, then again, I don't know how many checks from Pudi have cleared. Apparently, her price was $10,000 for her vote for Craven McCarthy when uh, he was being booted. Uh, he gave uh, Craven McCarthy gave her $10,000 from his pack shortly before she voted to keep him. She has a price. And she is disgusting. Hey, thank thank you, uh, Mark, Uncle Smokey. Thank you for jumping in there. Uh, that's five. We've got twenty dollars to go on Ralph's challenge to, in hopes of getting us down to seventeen uh, seventeen thirty for the fundraising hole. Thank you so much. Hopefully, there's another twenty out there for the match. Thank you, Ralphs, so much for being there. Uh, Steve in New York, counterpoint. Contempt. I completely disagree with putting him in jail. I'm against putting anyone in jail without a conviction. However, pushing up the trial is the best thing in my view. Give him notice that each violation will result in pushing it up a week. That will have the effect of putting pressure on him and his lawyers who will have less and less time to prepare to try that case. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that alternative. And that is a viable option. Y'all, we're going to try this. We're going to start this trial day after tomorrow. And you got nobody to blame but yourself. Your client has enough time to run around out there running his mouth, violating uh, violating uh, perfectly legal orders designed to protect the orderly nature of the administration of justice. Well, that must mean that y'all are bored, and he's bored. So let's get trying. Judge would throw him in jail regardless we'll put an ankle of who bracelet he is. on him and put him in Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, yeah. With his look, security I, detail. I, I don't think we're really saying something very different here. I agree with you, Joe and Mika. If he continues to flout a judge's order, and that order is narrowly tailored to ensure an orderly proceeding in her courtroom, yeah, appellate courts, Supreme Court, they're going to back her because judges have the right and the obligation, by the way 
to run their court in an orderly and efficient manner. That's not the hard part. The hard part is determining what speech violates her order. Let's say, as he did in Iowa last night, that he criticizes the Justice Department or President Biden. That seems to be fair game. If he goes after witnesses, that seems to be um, in violation of her order. It's almost inevitable, Joe and Mika, that he's going to do something like that. He's making money off of it. His polls are going up because of it. Why wouldn't he? He's never shown an ability to conform his behavior. Okay, at what point does she simply fine him? At what point does she find that he needs in Mika's, and, and Mika's right, you know, Maybe an ankle bracelet is an alternative to uh, imprisonment, incarceration, pending trial. Now, hold on. See, this is the problem we run into with things like monetary fines and ankle bracelets. I mentioned ankle bracelets, but then I thought better of it. If you give him, a, if you put an ankle bracelet on him, He will wear Bermuda shorts to every rally, and nobody wants to see that. Nobody. He'll 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 trot he'll he'll waddle out trot really. He'll waddle out from behind whatever uh, the podium he's standing behind, and say, "This is the ankle bracelet that 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 woman." Made me wear. I need your money. Support my campaign. And he'll rake in a few million dollars from the simps. Or the fundraising email will go out. If she finds him, the fundraising emails will go out uh, minute by minute, friend, the Trump-hating judge who does nothing all day long but hate Trump has just fined me a million dollars. Will you pay my fine, friend, and support democracy? <sighs> So those are out. There's either stuffing him in jail and figuring out how it works or what, and uh, moving up the trial date. Uh, Rob's just said a minute ago, yeah, Robin, push Trump's trial one day per word. Well, shit, if that's the case, Ralphs, it would have started three months ago. <laughs> Ankle bracelet alternative. Flavio says, uh, someone suggested a shock collar. I mean, why not? I, I think I was that someone, and I think I suggested that last night. <laughs> and maybe like the life vest that I mentioned my friend wearing, it could have like a little beeper. Mank, 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 mank. And this thug, this thug of a prosecutor, mank, 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 mank. He's insane, mank, 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 mank. <laughs> I'm sorry that that makes me laugh, but it does. And lately, I'll take all the giggles I can find. 
Uh, Matt in San Francisco, sanctions. Can a judge write an order that if he violates, he can only appear without makeup? Just spitballing here. Do we really want to see that? I mean, that's as, him with all that orange pancake is about as good as it gets, I suspect, and that's it's a terrifying proposition. Ugh. What do you, what do you, what do you what do you think he uses, Matt? I mean, Lancome, Estee Lauder, Sears Latex Flat, whatever it is they make to to to, to make TV pumpkins look more pumpkiny. Gross. Uh, Chuck Rosenberg, the lawyer on Morning Joe, people actually pay that guy? He's a former federal prosecutor, Steve. But I don't think these are easy decisions for any federal judge. And I don't know what the triggering event will be. I just fear that there will be one. Oh, Chuck, there's no doubt about that. There is going to be one because of what we just saw in the clip coming in. Every time this former president speaks, he says something to indict himself in one way or another during his ramblings. In the clip that we showed coming into this segment, he actually said that the gag order, when he's explaining what the judge did to him by, uh, by implementing a gag order, that it's, they think it's the only way that they can catch me. The only way that they can catch me. In other words, he's done something wrong. So my question to you is, what do we do, never mind legally, what do we do as a country, as a culture, when we have a former president who nearly every time he speaks extemporaneously indicts himself? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, look, first of all, um like we we indicted him, our country, our system of justice, the Justice Department has already indicted him. He, we don't need him to indict himself. He's been indicted in four different places on 91 felony counts. So rub it in. Yeah. But here at this here at this program, 17 years and 51 weeks as a standalone internet-based radio broadcast. 20 years come February. We address the important questions of the day. And I apparently have stumbled onto it. I asked Matt in San Francisco what brand of makeup did Matt think he uses, and Matt said grease paint. Old-fashioned, stage-ready grease paint. My God, my... Just reading the word... I have used that crap. Oil-based... And I can feel my claw, my, my pores clogging, even reading the words. My God, Matt. Uh, uh, meanwhile, Stephen New York says Trump's makeup. I'm thinking Earl Scheib. <laughs> I'm Earl Scheib, and I can paint this president for thirty-five dollars. Mm. Flames down the side. You can't paint over them and they won't come off. That's from the in-laws. Earl Scheib. 
Emilio says, I have the perfect solution. He should not be allowed to eat any fast food or junk food, only healthy food, until the trials. They can have two or three officers of the court follow him everywhere, and as soon as he tries to get a chicken nugget in his mouth, they slap it toward the floor. <laughs> no taco bowls for you. No Big Macs. You want a salad, Don? <sighs> Heck of a day. Hey, thanks, TJ. TJ just jumped in and uh, and finished off Ralph's challenge. So, hooray, we are down to 1730. Fundraising wise, if we can, if we could scare up another hundred and thirty dollars, uh, we would have last, not yesterday, last Monday, fully funded. Thanks, TJ, and thanks, Uncle Smokey, and thank you, Ralphs. I get the idea, though. That because uh, sometimes it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem so perform. I, I, I think I think some people really are flummoxed by Nitwit Nero's behavior. Uh, in another rant, well, not a rant, but whatever, another clip. Going back to the Republicans eat their young and apparently bacon. Proud of that one. Nobody gave me a cowbell. My feelings are hurt. But uh, examining the Republicans eat their young business uh, that he was that that Julius Geezer was babbling about. Sometimes they seem to be having fun on that set. But remember, Republicans eat their young. They really do. They eat their young. Terrible statement, but it's true. Yeah. Um. Former President Trump, in a recorded message over the weekend, like he he meant to, to happen. He that was recorded it, and then he, re- yeah. Doesn't Revealing Republicans eat their young. Okay. Okay. Well, well when when he's had some really strange. Uh, Said some really strange things. Uh, uh, so at one speeches. thing that he said at a speech was cruel. We were thinking of that's that's uh, that's broadcast standard speak uh, for he's losing his freaking mind. The dementia is already setting in. Showing it, and it is so cruel and yeah. disgusting that we're not showing. But but, but, but again, he, he babbles through so many of these speeches, and of right. course. I don't know. Maybe somebody can let him know he's not running against Barack Obama uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks. He said repeatedly him. that he was running against Barack Obama, that he was head of Barack Obama in the polls, that he actually beat Barack Obama in 2020. I remember when he beat Barack Obama in 2016. It's almost as if he's obsessed with Barack Obama. He really if he were a leader of a party instead of just a leader of a cult, uh, this personality cult, he would be more concerned about what's going on in the House of Representatives because, right. well, the again, he doesn't care about Israel. He's shown that uh, with, with his attacks of the Israelis and their leadership. Uh, but right now, uh, Israel desperately needs uh, 
They're going to need support. support from the House of Representatives like the Ukrainians are. More importantly, the United States of America needs to show uh, that we're here, we're ready, we're standing by to face our enemies. Is, uh, Israel is facing enemies. Hamas considers the United States their enemy. Iran considers the United States their enemy. Of course, Russia considers the United States their enemy. And China considers the United States their enemy. If you don't think we're not facing serious grave challenges from four, those four uh, countries who consider the United States of America to be their enemies, then you're just naive. And I've got to say, there are a lot of House Republicans uh, that, that must be naive and think they can continue playing games oh. instead of instead of moving towards a speaker and putting a speaker in place. They're still following this man who is the so-called Republican, but he is the front runner uh, who says that Republicans oh, are that's eating sigh. their young. And when they're not eating their young, they continue to eat their own as the party still cannot agree on a House speaker. Tomorrow, Republicans bacon. to try again, holding a House floor vote on Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio. <laughs> But the the business, he got it right because Nitwit Nero really is obsessed with Barack Obama. And it goes back seven years. And we've talked about it. This is the, because it, it this moment, a black man absolutely savaging Nitwit Nero and his pathetic ego. This was th this this was the moment. It is wonderful to be here at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. What a week! As some of you heard, the state of Hawaii released my official long form birth certificate. Hopefully that this puts all doubts to rest. But just in case there are any lingering questions, tonight I'm prepared to go a step further. Tonight, for the first time, I am releasing my official birth video. And the camera cuts to Nitwit Nero just now, staring daggers I at him. I warn you, no one has seen this footage in 50 years. Not even me. But uh, let's take a look. Opening of the Lion King, I'd forgotten this. God, that was good. Oh well, back to square one. 
It was funny then. I want to make clear to the Fox News table, that was a joke. That was not my real birth video. That was a children's cartoon. Call Disney if you don't believe me. They have the original long-form version. Ow! There's a vicious rumor floating around that I think could really hurt Mitt Romney. I heard he passed universal health care when he was governor of Massachusetts. Someone should get to the bottom of that. And I know just the guy to do it. Donald Trump is here tonight. Now, I know that he's taken some flack lately, but no one is happier, no one is prouder to put this birth certificate matter to rest than the Donald. And that's because he can finally get back to focusing on the issues that matter. Like, did we fake the moon landing? What really happened in Roswell? And where are Biggie and Tupac? And it galled him. It galled him that the entire room was laughing along with Barack Obama, the President of the United States, and they were all laughing with Obama and laughing at him. Knowing what we know now, God alone knows how much ketchup was spilled on that terrible evening. All kidding aside, obviously we all know about your credentials and breadth of experience. Um, just gets worse. For example, uh, no, seriously, just recently, in an episode of Celebrity Apprentice, at the steakhouse, the men's cooking team uh, did not impress the judges from Omaha Steaks. And there was a lot of blame to go around, but you, Mr. Trump, recognized that the real problem was a lack of leadership. And so ultimately, you didn't blame Little John or Meatloaf. You fired Gary Busey. And these are the kind of decisions that would keep me up at night. Just relentless mockery. Well handled, sir. Well handled. Say what you will about uh, Mr. Trump. He certainly would bring some change to the White House. Let's see what we've got up there. The Trump White House Hotel Casino Bordello. It was hilarious. And I don't know anyone who didn't just belly laugh at it. But that was the moment. 
I will always convinced, I will always be convinced that that was the moment when his hatred fully blossomed. He was always awful. He was always a con man. He was always a racist. He's a soak. He's a son of a Klansman. But that was the moment when he decided he would take revenge on an entire country that laughed and mocked him. And revenge he took. I don't think he's ever drawn an honest breath in his entire life. And remember, it wouldn't be that long before he was grunting to his knuckle-walking masses about the Lügenpresse, the lying press. That, that Nazi phrase was translated into a maggot vernacular as fake news, fake news. Look at all the shapes his vengeance took. Think of the million-plus dead in the United States alone from COVID. Think of the babies ripped from their mother's breasts at the border, kidnapped on his orders. Think of the women who have suffered as a result of his appointment of right-wing ideologues who had no business whatsoever sitting on the Supreme Court of the United States. His vengeance knows no bounds. His hatred is immeasurably immense. And one of the few true things he did say was that he wanted to be his followers' vengeance. This is a revenge tour and a reminder while there was a joke in there about Celebrity Apprentice a reminder that his, he honed his chops in terms of visual media, not with NBC, but with the WWE, wrestling, the ultimate fake. whacking Vince McMahon over the head with a chair or something, or holding him down and shaving his head.
and the very notion that that man could wind up being president again. It, it fills me with a, a horror that would probably require a 27 letters long German compound noun to describe. Trump jokes, talk about the butterfly effect, says Matt in San Francisco. Yeah. Because I don't think there was anybody in the United States who thought he was going to be president. Although, as 2016 wore on, this was one of the few programs who said, y'all, he's going to win. Because that was just how far gone this country was. On the Democratic or left side of things, we'd had the purity wars. And a a, a series of just horrid attacks on the Democratic nominee for president, who in turn was not well advised by some of her campaign higher-ups and made some serious strategic blunders that wound up with Julius Geezer winning in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. But yeah, Matt, butterfly effect indeed. Come on, Robin, says Emilio. Do you really think all those jokes and jabs would really get at Trump's ego? He's the best. He's a businessman. He's an icon. He exudes confidence and good judgment. Uh, with several, with a couple of uh, uh, really goofy emojis. Yeah. Everything gets under his skin. I think if a competent competent therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist were to examine him, they would find that he lives in a constant state of just mind-bending insecurity. The bluster and the bravado is all a facade for a desperate need for attention and adoration that apparently he never got from his mommy and daddy. I don't know. Call him Uncle Oedipus. True. Don't forget Colbert, Flavio says. Obama learned his chops from Stephen Colbert's roast of W. That was one for the ages. This, by the way, is a uh, conversation program. We call it Conversation Radio. Uh, If you would like to get involved with said conversation, feel free. Stress line number, of course, for anybody who's never heard this program before. Toll free. 844-843-4676. 844-THE-HORN. It'll get you right into uh, right into the program. Or on Skype, Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Kincaid Horn, K-I-N-C-A-I-D-H-O-R-N. Send a contact request, I'll approve it, and we'll be off and running.
I find I found it interesting that the Washington Post published uh, an article whose headline was "Democrats Unity Starts Cracking on Israel Gaza Conflict." And yet there they were today, entirely unified. It's almost it's almost like the Democrats can hold two or more competing ideas in their head at the same time and stay focused on getting the job done. That's a pretty good indication that uh, they're probably a hell of a lot better at governing than the maggots are. But nonetheless, that, 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 oh, their unity is cracking. Unless it isn't. Oh, and a little, uh, t- today in January, today in domestic terrorism, January 6th news, Ryan Kelly pled guilty last July to a misdemeanor count of entering and remaining on restricted grounds, having been there at January 6th. He said he rushed past U.S. Capitol Police officers and used his hands to support another rioter who was pulling a metal bike rack onto the scaffolding. Uh, He tore up a tarp on the inauguration stage. Well, he was back in court today. Uh, Ryan Kelly was. By the way, Ryan Kelly was a uh, Republican gubernatorial candidate in Michigan. Judge Christopher R. Cooper, in the sentencing today, said he had serious concerns as to whether Ryan Kelly was truly remorseful, noting that Ryan Kelly had been fundraising on his participation in the domestic terror attack of January 6, 2021, as much as two years after the event, which would be 2023, which would be this year. In their sentencing argument, prosecutors said he encouraged, facilitated, and celebrated violence at the Capitol, and they asked for him to get three long, long months in jail. The prosecutors in their memorandum said he shouted into the already riled up crowd. He consistently beckoned the crowd of rioters forward. (laughs) Insurrectionists. Terrorists. Closer towards the Capitol building and police. He supported another rioter as he was moving a metal bike rack towards the front of the mob on the northwest stairs. Toward those rioters who were closer to officers. And he took a photograph of human blood by the stairs. Ryan Kelly, during his sentencing hearing today, said, I apologize for those things. And his pettifogger said that his client was out of politics for good. Really? That's not his fault. 
the former president for my actions that day, Ryan Kelly said. He did invite us there, but my actions are my concerns, and I own those. Well, prosecutors wanted 90 days in jail. Judge Christopher R. Cooper said, Ah, 60. There we are. Uh, no, we're going to save her for prayer meeting Wednesday. Down in the Florida, uh, the uh, Florida version of felony Trump, uh, they're uh, they're <laughs> petty foggers. There are. are uh, Desperately trying to push the trial date back, preferably to the day after the sun burns out. And so they filed a motion for an indefinite extension of the deadline to compel discovery. Jack Smith's team has very good lawyers. And they responded the lawyers did, by pointing out that while his pettifoggers complain that they don't have enough time, that they are in fact fully equipped to file unclassified discovery requests by October 20th. But as a mark of kindness and decency, the prosecution said, we're okay with a 10-day extension of the deadline. And defendant's motion for an indefinite extension should be denied. This, of course, is in front of Aileen Cannon, whom I don't know about you, but I wouldn't trust with the carcass of a runover skunk. And then, uh, then they started burning the law- other lawyers to the ground. They said ma- the majority of the discovery in this case uh, has been in the defendant's hands months before they asked for more discovery on October the 9th. And what's more, well, given that defendants received most of the discovery at issue months before, they could have made these requests earlier and then turned it on them. Seeing as how his pettifoggers' extensive discovery requests evidence, their ability to thoroughly review and analyze the discovery, it's been provided. And then pointed out that his pettifoggers had ridiculed the government for failing to produce something like 50 FBI reports in the unclassified portion of the discovery. Only it was. In over half of the identified instances, Nitwit Nero's team actually had the enclosures that were referred to in the discovery. 
In many of the remaining instances, the enclosures or attachments were not discoverable. And then came this one. Trump's counsel apparently made little effort to identify the enclosures on their own, given that in multiple instances the document specified, for example, that the referenced enclosure was a transcript or the audio recording of a specific interview, that the government had already produced. For the foregoing reasons, the court should not extend defendant's deadline to file any motion to compel with respect to unclassified discovery. With respect to classified discovery, the court should require defendants to make any discovery request by October 20th and file any motion to compel by October 30th. In other words, y'all suck. Y'all are bad at this lawyer in business. Yeah, and of course, uh, well, they don't have a lot to work with. And I didn't make mention of it, but should, because when we get a little victory here and there, we should celebrate it, or at least note it. Uh, Poland had a parliamentary election. And the three opposition parties whose primary declaration was that they would restore democratic standards in Poland, got 54% of the votes over the weekend and are in a position to take power in the parliament and take it away from the right-wing proto-fascists who have had Poland in their grips for a while. And so now... um, Donald Tusk, the opposition leader who won, uh, addressed Polish President Andrzej Duda, who has real fascist leanings, and said, I would like to ask for energetic and quick decisions. The winning Democratic parties are ready to take over responsibility for governing the country any moment. People are waiting for the first decisions that will be the result of the elections, he went on to say. The Law and Justice Party has been in control in Poland and is decidedly right-wing. They got a little better than 35% of the vote. But they lost their majority in Parliament. They had 75% turnout in Poland. 75% of eligible Polish voters went to the polls and the majority said, no, we would like to have our democracy back, please. And it remains to be seen what Duda will do, Dade. Sorry, that one just slipped out. So Tusk will probably be prime minister again. He was there for seven years between 2007 and 2014. And the Duda government used state-owned media 
to absolutely smear Tusk. And they tried to make it look as though he was a stooge for Russia and Germany. Which is kind of hard to be right now. And so there's a little bit of sigh of relief taking place among democracy lovers in Poland. And of course, another part of that campaign was a smear against the LGBTQ community. The right-wingers in Poland portrayed members of the LGBTQ plus community as uh, being disloyal Poles. And like every other right-wing government, they tightened access to reproductive care for Polish women. And Poland had seen massive protests by women over those changes. And young people and women drove the result. They voted, as the uh, article I'm looking at from the Associated Press says, they voted in droves. to be shed of the Law and Justice Party. It's a... uh, It's a little sign of hope. If we could light up women and young people It's conceivable that we could relegate the maggots to the dustbin of history. We'll have to overcome some gerrymandering, a lot of gerrymandering, to get the House. But it's damn well worth the fight. Uh, note coming in from Clarence. Three cheers. Come on, Robin. Do-da, do-da day. Give yourself a, a bell on me. Lady, you never cease to amaze me with your comic wit. Well, thank you, Clarence. I appreciate that. It, I just put a big old grin across my face, Clarence. Thank you. You know, there's no laugh track or anything here. Uh, speaking of which, is anybody wa- is anybody watching the return of Frasier? I've seen the first two episodes. The first one was slow, bunch of exposition explaining why he was and where he was, and but it's like the second one picked up and the writing is really crisp. Kelsey Grammer's a right wing pos. Last I checked, but dadgum it, it's funny. Apparently the writers aren't. 
It's on uh, what? Peacock? Yeah. And the closing music is still the same with the tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Some interesting new characters. I think the old Frasier was actually taped in front of a live audience. This one has a laugh track, and, and uh, there's a laugh track with the new Night Court, too, and it just, uh, that, that, I don't like that. Oh, back to court for just, well, hold, yeah, we're at the top of the third hour. And we have the uh, Green News report today. Probably a good idea to uh, check in with that. And meanwhile, we're $130 from being funded for last Monday. Not yesterday, a week ago last Monday. It would be great if we could knock that out and just stay a week behind. If anybody wants to help, thank you in advance. And uh, well, another another hour of filler robster if nobody wants to chat. Uh, but, well, let's see what Brad and Desi have for us. It's Tuesday, October 17, 2023. Earlier today at noon, the river was measured at negative 11.01 feet. That's the lowest ever recorded here in Memphis. Mighty Mississippi River hits new record low. The merger is an all-stock transaction that's valued at $59.5 billion. Exxon acquires a major fracking company, expanding its fossil fuel production. Plus, climate change is coming for bees, beer, coffee, and your chocolate. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news politics analysis and snarky comment then in june wildfires in canada sent giant plumes of smoke down the east coast turning new york's air into satan's butthole as opposed to new york's normal air actual butthole y'all been away for five months and that's the best you can come up with oh well welcome back colbert this is your green news report Okay, Desi Doyen, so ExxonMobil, which claims to be working really hard to cut their climate emissions, is spending $60 billion on more climate emissions? Yes, they are. Okay. But we'll get to that story in a moment. First, the Mississippi River has hit a new record low for the second consecutive year due to persistent drought in the upper Midwest. And that is hitting farmers with higher costs to ship their harvest and import fertilizer. 60% of all U.S. grain is exported via the Mississippi River. Plus, low river levels are also allowing salt water from the Gulf of Mexico to creep upriver, contaminating drinking water supplies. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers now projects that the salt water plume won't reach the water system of New Orleans, thanks to emergency dredging and new infrastructure. But experts warn of an additional long-term risk. This problem will recur, and 
and most water pipes in Louisiana are made of lead, and salt water could leach toxic metals into the drinking water supply. Oh, boy. In Brazil's Amazon, rivers have also hit new historic lows, the lowest in more than 120 years of record-keeping after months of extreme drought and record temperatures. Cargo ships are stranded in port, preventing shipments of food, water, and medicine upriver to remote villages. Scientists say man-made climate change is a major driver of the extreme heat and the drought in both the Amazon and Mississippi. I guess it is. In other news, a sweet of new studies warns that global warming is making it harder to grow coffee, tea, chocolate, and wine grapes. The first study calculates that nearly half of flowering plant species are at risk of extinction due to man-made climate change and habitat loss that is changing their growing conditions and because of insects. The researchers found that when temperatures get too warm and human development encroaches on their habitat, the number of insects that pollinate flowers plants drops by 60% as temperatures push them past their heat limit. So, in a word, we're screwed. Another study warns that hotter conditions and the loss of pollinators will severely hit coffee and cocoa crops, which grow primarily in the tropics and rainforests under very specific conditions. Yeah, we're screwed. Climate change is also coming for your beer. A U.K. study found that rising temperatures and drought are making it harder to grow hops, a key ingredient in beer, decreasing both the crop's quality and its quantity. The study projects that hop yields will fall by as much as a third in coming decades. However, oil giant ExxonMobil plans to boost its profits from making the climate crisis even worse. Fantastic! Despite warnings from the United Nations and the world scientists that fossil fuels must be urgently phased out, ExxonMobil announced it will pay $60 billion to buy Pioneer Resources, a major player in the Texas fracking industry. Experts say Exxon's move to acquire new reserves is effectively betting that U.S. energy policy will not curb fossil fossil fuels in any major way. On CNBC, Exxon CEO Darren Woods said Exxon expects oil and gas demand to continue rising. Mm-hmm. Fossil fuels, oil and gas are going to continue to play a role over time. That may, may diminish with time. The rate of that is, is I think, um, not very clear at this stage, but it will be around for a long time. Gosh, I wonder why it's not very clear. I wonder if you having spent millions of dollars to make it not very clear sort of helped. Finally, China is planning for a very different future than Axon. In August, electric vehicles in China made up almost 40% of all new car sales. And Global Energy Monitor reports that China is on track to nearly double its current wind and solar capacity over just the next two years. China already invests more than the rest of the world in wind and solar development and is on track to blow past its clean power target five years early. And I thought China wasn't doing anything about climate change. I'm starting to feel like we've been lied to. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Everybody plays the fool sometimes. There's no exception to the rule.
Sorry about the dead air. Happens sometimes. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, more more stuff to get into. Can you tell that I'm doing everything and I, that I possibly can not to talk about the latest over in there? I saw the news earlier today of the bombing of a hospital in Gaza. 500 Palestinians who weren't Hamas were slaughtered today when a hospital blew up. A hospital owned, I think, by the Episcopalian Communion. It was the biggest. It was the biggest blast thus far in the ongoing slaughter. The numbers seem to be floating around the 500 dead mark. Started off 200 dead. The next story said 300. Now we're up to 500. And the uh, Palestinians. Palestinian health authorities said it was an Israeli airstrike. But then, of course, the Israeli military said, no, 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 that wasn't us, that wasn't one of ours. Uh, 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 they, were, they were trying to launch a rocket, and it didn't go off, and it blew up at the, it blew up at the hospital. So uh, the death toll, even before the hospital was blown to kingdom come, was already 3,000 in Gaza. Uh, The Israeli military said that uh, a barrage of rockets was fired by terrorists in Gaza passing in close proximity to the Al-Ahli hospital there. Because, of course, they're not going to say, oops, we screwed up. And said, intelligence from multiple sources we have in our hands indicates that Islamic Jihad is responsible for the failed rocket launch which hit the hospital in Gaza. And truth is the first casualty of war, right? To the dead who might think of might think about these things if they weren't so doggone busy being dead. In the long run, it matters little who killed them. What matters is that they were killed.
and well, oh well, I guess, right? Uh, let's go on to something cheerier, shall we? Because, again, it's just like a school shooting in the United States. You can talk about the dead, and then you inevitably come around to the brutal truth that nothing is going to change. Well, I guess I'm not going to leave quite so fast. King Abdullah... <laughs> Randy Radar. Beware, it's a short distance between dark humor and psychosis. I'm kind of glad I didn't buy that Israeli made soda machine. Mm. Very muted cowbell for you. Stephen New York says. Hospital bombing. What a strange coincidence. Islamic Jihad exploded right in the middle of the Israeli bombing raid. Also, I actually heard an Israeli government official say when a reporter asked him about the hospital, oh, you mean the hospital which has Hamas's headquarters beneath it? If that's the government's view, and the Israeli president said the civilians in Gaza and Hamas are indistinguishable with that in mind, which is more likely? Oh, Steve, there you go again, shaving with Occam's razor. No, King Abdullah of Jordan, in regard to Gaza, said there will be no refugees in Jordan and no refugees in Egypt. He said that is a red line because I think that is the plan by certain of the usual suspects to try and create de facto issues on the ground. No refugees in Jordan, no refugees in Egypt. Because it's not Jordan's problem to solve, nor is it Egypt's. And it wouldn't solve the problem anyway. Oh, good question, Speaker. Um, Roger in Oregon says, if enough Republicans skip the next vote and, and Hakeem Jeffries becomes Speaker, how does that affect committee chairs? Well, if the if the Democrats, the committees have to be reorganized. The ranking member will become the chair. The chair now will become the ranking member. I can't even, Roger, I can't even dare to dream what that would look like. But you still you still have to have a majority of the whole. In other words, they wouldn't. It would be a matter of just not showing up. 
And if they weren't there, the, if those 20 were not there today, the vote total would already have Hakeem Jeffries in the speakership. This is distressing. Um, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin issued a be ready to deploy order over the past weekend. He did add that no troops are being ready or told to be ready to deploy for combat purposes. They would be sent to advise and provide medical support to Israelis. Advising and combat support, for instance, of a a unit of special ops marines. We now have two aircraft carriers over there, the Ford and the Eisenhower. You know who's really happy about the hospital bombing, even if it turns out to be Israel's fault? Mother Russia. Hey, they're bombing hospitals. Nobody's doing anything about it. Light uh, Light them up in Ukraine. Smoke them if you got them. I, I, I'm, I'm, I must admit, I'm a little confused here. Israel's fully has proven themselves fully capable of defending themselves with extreme prejudice. Oh well, but yeah, maybe it's not the worst idea in the world to make sure nobody else gets froggy. I may be wrong. I don't think Iran did this. Until proven otherwise, I'm still going to say that this that Hamas's actions have Putin's fingerprints all over them, and he's got a close ally there in Syria. Easy peasy. If the Iranians weren't aware. And they woke up to it on that Saturday. It's not that far a stretch. I mean, granted, it's Iran, but it's not that far a stretch to see them think of this. Oh, shit. And they've been quieter than one might expect. Advise and support, Matt in San Francisco asks. So is that an American soldier crouched down next to an IDF soldier yelling, pull the trigger, take the shot? I hope there. I hope we do not put a single American boot on that sand. Despise this conflict. Meanwhile, the uh, anti the the anti immigrant. Nativist wing, which is the entire Republican Party, 
you know, we talked yesterday about how they're, they've introduced uh, Andy Ogles and, uh, oh, I forget who the other jackass is. Introduced a bill to ban anyone with a Palestinian Authority passport from coming into the United States. Problem is, the Palestinian Authority governs the West Bank. Hamas is the government of Gaza, uh, something that, you know, Bibi Netanyahu made happen. But we had reference earlier in the program to Nitwit Nero gabbling away in Iowa last night. And by the way, uh, TJ said earlier, and uh, no, TJ said that, I said Trump trotting out from behind the podium to show. No, he wouldn't trot. Uh, TJ said if Trump were to trot out his body, he would slap himself silly. Quality, TJ, quality. Um, Jude says, oh, dear heart, please do dare to dream without the essence of this other reality where would love arrive from? I don't know. I don't know, Jude. It's just, ugh. Anyway, Nitwit Nero babbling last night, among other things, in, in addition to immediately deciding to violate the gag order from Judge Chutkin, uh, he also, in an attempt to uh, ameliorate his giant fuck-up of praising Hamas, uh, and trying to put out some you know, really palatable Palestinian hate for the consumption of the mouth walkers and knuckle breathers and toenail toothpickers, you know, the maggots, he said, uh, In the wake of the attacks on Israel, Americans have been disgusted to see the open support for terrorists among the legions of foreign nationals on college campuses. They're teaching your children hate. Under the Trump administration, we will revoke the student visas of radical anti-American and anti-Semitic foreigners at our colleges and universities, and we will send them straight back home. Hmm. Wonder how uh, Mohammed bin Bonesaw will feel about a bunch of Saudis being sent home, and if that might affect his relationship, his three billion dollar relationship with uh, Jared. But the uh, anti-Palestinian hate 
uh, is getting legs. Marco Rubio, that towering paragon of Florida virtue, is demanding that President Biden cancel visas for any foreigner who has expressed support for Hamas. Now understand who a Republican saying don't slaughter innocent Palestinians is support for Hamas, which it isn't. And now there's a, a, a suppression attempt, a blacklisting attempt for all intents and purposes. A, a billionaire named Bill Ackman demanded that all the names of every student who signed a letter at Harvard that said that, that criticized Israel well, Bill Ackman wants their, num- their names published so no one would inadvertently hire them. A student at, the, uh, at NYU Law had their job offer pulled as well. Victoria's Secret CEO Les Wexner has said uh, they will no longer give money to Harvard. The former governor of Utah, John Huntsman, one of those reasonable Republicans, directed his family's uh, wealth foundation to give no more money to the University of Pennsylvania. And uh, Tom Cotton, Tom Headful of Cotton, maggot senator from Arkansas, explained that, uh, well, the Gazan civilians are just going to have to suffer and die. The reality is because Hamas is in control, letting aid into Gaza is resupplying Hamas. In the long run, the best way to aid the Palestinian people is for Moss to be completely destroyed. And, you know, if a whole bunch of Palestinians, innocent Palestinians, die at the same time, well, you know, can't make an omelet without breaking some Palestinian, I mean, eggs. Cracking democratic unity. I saw this headline and it's like, oh, really? Supreme Court delivers blow to Second Amendment. You can tell this is a right wing site. No, they didn't at all. The Biden administration 
moved earlier this year to do something about ghost guns. Restricting components that have no serial number. Because just about any idiot can make a ghost gun. A, a maggot judge down in Texas, Reed O'Connor, oh, we're familiar with old Reed, enjoined the Biden administration's gun rule. Uh, he said it's unconstitutional to partially or to regulate partially manufactured firearm components, related firearm products, and other tools and materials. All the Supreme Court did, and this is, by the way, this is not a blow to the sacred Second Amendment. All the Supreme Court did uh, with the uh, with the three decent human beings on the court, plus John Roberts and plus uh, Amy Covid Barrett, the handmaid, they said, "Nah, you know what? Uh, we're going to continue to stay Reed O'Connor's order until wait yesterday." And so the, uh, uh, the, the, the rule stays in place while the appeal is under consideration in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Quite possibly the most toxic, I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a toss-up between the 11th and the 5th, but the most toxic circuit in the entire United States. You can't have a conversation with the gun humpers about regulations because they think that everybody, every American should own a damned Abrams tank and a maybe a nuclear submarine and a couple of ICBMs or two because Second Amendment. And it wouldn't matter if some disaffected incel white boy uh, murderer went in and slaughtered an entire school with ghost guns because the second amendment is more important than children's lives unless they're still in the mother right right Oh, and uh, from the Department of Every Maggot Complaint is either projection or confession. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, Matt in San Francisco says Second Amendment. Well regulated is literally contained in the amendment. What am I missing? Well, according to Fat Dead Tony Scalia and his buddy uh, Clarence Pubes on the Coke Can Fappy Thomas and Sammy Bad Breath Alito, uh, that's just that's that's just superfluous. Because there's a personal right to own guns, even though own is not in the Second Amendment the way well-regulated is. That's that's just prefatory language like the flourish someone might put under their signature. 
Oh, really? But like I said, with the maggots, it's all either profession, uh, projection or confession. Sometimes it's both, you know, they run around, you know, voter fraud, voter fraud, election interference, voter fraud. Well, had a little guilty plea last week down in Alabama. A former member of the Alabama legislature, a good God-fearing, upstanding, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelical, fundamentalist, homosexual, Christian, Republican, by the name of David Cole from Huntsville. Gotta say it like that. It's not Huntsville. That's in Texas. This is Huntsville. Uh, it turned out that David Cole got 60 days in the Madison County Jail. Uh, with a, a three-year sentence, the remainder of a three-year sentence suspended. When he's out of jail, he'll be on probation for the rest of the three-year sentence. He had to report to jail today. David Cole did. And he has to pay $52,885 in restitution. He was still serving in the Alabama legislature up to up to August when he finally entered his guilty plea. Now, what was he guilty of? Well, he was guilty of voter fraud. Hmm. Yeah. Because uh, long, long ago, you know, 2022, uh, that's when he was elected to the legislature. But back in 2021, uh, he rented a closet in a woman's home in Madison County, Alabama. The closet was five feet by five feet. How curious to be talking about a Republican and a closet. And there'd be no sexy time in it. Now he rented a 1.5 by 1.5 meter closet from a woman who lived in a district that Representative Cole wanted to represent. And he never even so much as crossed the threshold into the closet. But he did get some mail there. But he said that was where he lived. That's the thing. He said that was his residence. It's not just voter fraud. It's election fraud. Because he wasn't actually a resident of that part of the county that he ran to represent. And, of course, the maggots sent him down to Goat Hill. You know, that's what they call the state capital of Alabama in down Montgomery is Goat Hill. Kind of brassy about it. He leased the closet, David Cole did, two days after a redistricting plan put his house in another house district. His home, where he'd been since 2014, wound up in another district. I know a little bit about that. Uh, for as long as we've lived here, we went down and 
voted at the elementary school every election. Redistricting went through in 2020. Now I have to drive eight miles up the road to uh, the high school and vote there because I'm in a new precinct. I'm in a different precinct now. And it literally runs down the middle of the road I live on. Well, David Cole was not going to be deterred. Uh, he is deterred. Uh, he was not going to be deterred. And uh, when asked about where he lived, he dummied up the lease. And then he faked up a property tax break as well. I mean, he was in for a penny, in for a pound. And, of course, David Cole. This is the best part. David Cole is a physician. Yes. And he's also a veteran of the United States military. His pettifogger is a lawyer by the name of Bill Espy. Lawyer Espy said, Dr. Cole admits and takes full responsibility for the mistakes he made in the political process. I think that's a little under-described, don't you? He didn't make any mistakes in the political process. He committed a fucking fraud on the the voters of the state of Alabama. Voter fraud. Election fraud. He entered the process to serve his community, continued Lawyer Espy. He lived a whole life of service, including serving for 22 years in the Army with tours in Iraq and Afghanistan and Egypt. And here's the best part, somewhat similar to Nitwit Nero. David Cole was taken down by another Republican. I don't think the Democratic Party in Alabama is strong enough to turn over a Volkswagen Beetle or, you know, a Renault smart car. No, another Republican dropped the dime on him to the Alabama Republican Party. Uh, asking them to look into the claims that David Cole didn't live in his own district. So, 60 days, Dr. Cole, 60 days. Let's don't go there. Oh, this is a good one. And we're far enough into the program, I can... I can probably get away with mentioning it. Uh, it, it, Let's uh, chat a little bit about Eldon. Eldon. I can get out of the cornpone accent now. Eldon W. Phelps. 
Oh, I thought they were Renault. Smart cars, uh, Matt says, are made by Mercedes-Benz. I've owned a few of them. I love them. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't criticizing their performance. <laughs> I, was critic- I was. I was noting the fact that it wouldn't take many people to turn one over. And I don't think Alabama has enough Democrats to do that. Democratic Party in West Virginia is rapidly approaching that status, too. The real question here is whether it's by design or just a general fuck-up. No, back to Eldon W. Phelps of Talibandiana. I know you're taking a little break, Dave, but hey... Tell Gladys down at the shop, I said, hey, I don't want to get on her bad side. Eldon W. Phelps of Taliban, Diana. Oh, he was, a, he was a keyboard warrior, Phelps was. Uh, Lebanon, Indiana, by the way. I sure hope nobody rockets Lebanon, Indiana. Uh, 25 years old. Eldon is. And boy, howdy, was he a good, God-fearing, upstanding, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelical, fundamentalist Christian. Oh, and you could tell he was a Christian by how much he hated, hated, hated all the gays and the lesbians and the bisexuals and the, and, and, and the transes. Oh, he hated them. All them queers. And, and, and he made, made sure people knew because he posted, he was forever posting uh, the, the memes on um, the social media. Yeah, he was particularly fond of posting anti-trans memes. And he got real... Oh, Oh, nobody made him angrier than Dylan Mulvaney and Butt Light. Oh, I'm stuck in this cornpone accent. Sorry about that. Well, uh, Eldon got outed. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children sent an email to the Boone County, Indiana Sexual Assault and Child Exploitation Task Force. And that email showed a link between him and an image of a prepubescent girl being subjected to unspeakable harm and mistreatment. He apparently associated himself with a an email address and a username, Martian Massacre Productions. Those That email address and that screen name, in turn, 
were an internet user who had stored the image of the little girl being raped. Then it was just a matter of connecting dots, and the next thing you know, Martian Massacre Productions and that email address uh, via online and phone records led right back to Eldon W. Phelps. Christian should have saved this for tomorrow. Back in August, the uh, law enforcement questioned Phelps, and he said, Oh, yeah, if you look on my desktop computer, you're going to find a whole lot more child sexual abuse material. Uh, he goes to trial in December. And after the, uh, uh, the original report in the Lebanon Reporter, uh, somebody went on Shitter and posted a scad of anti-trans memes and news stories that appear to have belonged to, again, Eldon W. Phelps. There was one post of a, of the trans pride flag, you know, pink, pink, white, and blue. He said, this is pervert color. And he posted a Fox News story uh, with a transphobic comment from Greg Gutfeld. He liked to take pictures of himself in the gym, apparently. Eldon W. Phelps, Eldon Wolfgang Phelps. Uh, the the trans flag thing that he we re uh, reshitted was from some transphobic person named Wei Wu or Wu Wei at Wu Wei one one three. I have a smart I have smart business plan. One, I make toilet paper with this color, the pink, white, blue. Two, all honorable patriot buy. Three, now pervert color used to clean butts. Four, I make money, I give all money to Donald Trump. Five, he be president again. Six, make America great again, again. Seven, perverts cry. I laugh. By the way, he identifies as a libertarian. The images were of adult men. Raping little girls. And because all these Venn diagrams, anti-trans, anti-queer, anti-vax, pro-gun, woman-hating, anti-immigrant, Etc., etc., etc. They're all just a circle. Because if you find a misogynist, you'll probably find out that he is also a transphobe. You'll also find out he really values his guns in the Second Amendment. 
And naturally, he was a, he posted videos from Andrew Tate. Ugh. Because Andrew Tate is a masculinity coach. Anybody surprised? To look, a guy who runs around screaming, Grummer! Turns out was a common sewer of child sexual abuse pornography. Yeah. And it seems like it's always this way. A uh, big time a big time uh, Republican donor at Anton Lazaro he gave over $270,000 to Republican candidates and well heck he even got to meet Donald Trump and God's own Christian Mike Pencil Neck Geek uh, he uh, uh, just a couple of months back he got 21 years in prison followed by five years of parole because back in 2020 he sexually trafficked five teenage girls. He was 30 years old. He gave $50,000 to his 19-year-old associate Gisela Castro Medina and she was to go out and find broken 14, 15, and 16-year-old girls that they found on social media sites and the Sugar Daddy site. He had a luxury condo in Minneapolis. He'd send Ubers for the little girls. Then he'd get them drunk, pay them for sex, Send them home with cash, vapes, alcohol, Plan B, cell phones. Paid off one 15-year-old girl to keep her from talking to law enforcement. He was described as having set up a sex trafficking assembly line in a soulless, almost of a soulless, almost mechanical nature. One of his victims said, I still see him in my nightmares and my panic attacks. Putting Tony behind bars will save so many girls. Still calls him Tony. The mama of one of his victims said, The damage you caused my daughter mentally and emotionally, you didn't just cause that damage to her, you caused it to me and my family and all these victims and all their families. You stand up here and you don't even care. It's justifying your actions. I hope you rot in hell. Meanwhile, for his part, Tony said, well, yeah, I had sex with him, but I didn't pay him. I just gave him gifts. And then, of course, said, where have we heard this before? 
this prosecution is politically motivated. I take a lot of offense to the government and court's notion that I perjured myself in this trial. Grooming behavior is the word you used. If that's the case, then I suppose anyone who gives someone a gift, whether it be a cheap gift or a million dollars, is grooming their companion for sex okay? If that's the standard that we're going to apply, then I don't know how there's any standard to apply. It had repercussions, his bust. The, Republic, the, the chair of the Minnesota Republican Party uh, had to step down. That would be Jennifer Carnahan. They were pals, Carnahan and Lazaro, when she ran for state legislature in 2016. They even had a podcast together called Truth Matters. And he backed her when she tried it, when she went to become state chair of the Minnesota Republican Party. He went to her wedding in 2018. He gave lots of money to anti-LGBTQ maggots. Sure. We're the not anti-LGBTQ maggots. You know? And, uh... Uh, Randy Radar says, apparently handheld weaponry was okayed by dead Justice Scalia. However, the current government would freak out if someone owned an RPG or Stinger missile. Both are handheld. Maybe, well, but then again, also, Fat Dead Tony said, as far as he was concerned, uh, an American citizen probably did have a Second Amendment right to own a bazooka. Great guy, that fat dead Tony. And just one last thing. The happiest place on earth may not be so happy. The brawling has spilled over to Disneyland. Two grown-ups got in a fist fight in a brawl, throwing hands, as the kids say, uh, over by Storybook Land Canal Boats and the Mad Hatter Tea Party Ride. Uh, a, a woman in a red t-shirt is throwing rights in the video onto the head of a bald man who's also wearing a red t-shirt. And then a woman in a white t-shirt jumps in. Is this a private fight or can anyone join? And she starts uh, uh, duking it out with a guy in a beard 
wearing a khaki shirt and khaki shorts. And then they just all start brawling at each other. The woman in the white t-shirt tries to throw a scissor kick and nicks one of the dudes. Or women, I don't know. And meanwhile, cast members are trying to get the kids out of the way. Come on, kid! Let's go over here! Those people are fucking goofy! Spokesperson for Disney said, Any type of violence will not be tolerated at Disneyland Resort. When a brief incident between guests occurred in Fantasyland on October 15th, our security team responded quickly and notified the Anaheim Police Department. The party that initiated the incident was immediately removed from the premises and no injuries were reported. Honestly. Is that one of those little signposts? I mean, I know Disney's expensive. But damn. Uh, just for the fun of it, let's. I, I don't know if this is going to amount to anything. It's only 11 seconds, but we might get some gnat sound out of it. Oh, my God. Fortunately, some citizen journalists turned their phone on and said, oh, i got to get this. Thank goodness there weren't any guns. Huh. Watch your back at Disneyland, y'all. Jeez. And David, in Oregon, thank you so much. You'll wrap the program up. And uh, we're down we're down to seventeen twenty to go. Thank you so much. Thanks to all of our PayPal subscribers and Patreon subscribers. Thanks to our a la carte contributors each and every day and the ones who jumped in this evening. Thank you all. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you, Roger, in the chat room. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. Head on live. Remember, like and subscribe, please. <laughs> Ralph said, oh, I just knew you'd say, fucking goofy every so often. <laughs> I'm not going to... Some of the, it's, it's it's just it, it violates a basic law of the universe when you let one of those go by. But like I said, like and subscribe to the podcast if you're a member of the podcasting contingent of this community. Leave a comment for the algorithms; it really does help. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks for getting us back to where we can put the podcast up at uh, White Rose again. 
Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20 plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop. Stay safe, y'all. Get your booster, get your RSV shot, get your flu shot. Let's all get through this winter of disease and discontent as best we possibly may. Wear your mask if you're around maggots. Or any sort of larger than five people you don't know groups. Especially the maggots. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance. And, uh, you know, if you happen to be walking down Fantasyland Avenue in Disneyland... And you hear, uh, if you wait, and what is it? Uh, the singing. Your dreams can come true. Ow! You hit me! Well, avoid, avoid, avoid those people like the plague. <laughs> because they are. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later.